Beloved Church of God, beginning our service before the Lord, let us stand and affirm the promise that relates to the door of our hope. Let the resurrection of Christ reign in our bodies. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are grateful to your holy name for this once again privilege to be in this place that your hand has outlined for the worship of your holy name. And so allow your inheritance in the name of the blood of the covenant to be lifted to heights higher than us and to break all burden and sin that binds us. In the name of Jesus Christ, may this place be cursed as before all the works of devil, illnesses, poverty, premature death, demonic dependencies, all forms of fears, phobia, depression, destruction, stagnancy, ignorance, all of this let it depart from the tents of your holy people. And stand, Lord, on the place of your rest, you and the ark of your greatness. And may your saints be clothed in your salvation, and may they rejoice before your countenance. Give us more from your Spirit, fill us with your Holy Spirit, and allow us to find your holy countenance. We thank you that this service is presented in your divine arms, and we ask you to continue to guide it with your high and uplifted hand. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen. You may be seated. Or the letter of Apostle Paul to the Ephesians chapter 4 verses 22 through 24. That you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Our pastor has called this word, and he gave it the following name, the right to set aside the former way of life in order to be clothed in a new way of life. And we, as obedient children, having accepted this word into our hearts, had received this right and this authority that we can set aside the former way of life so that we can be clothed in a new way of life. We continually focus on these three verbs. This is to set aside, to renew, and to clothe. We have found out, having studied, that what the verb to set aside means. We had to define this former way of life, to define its characteristics, to see it in ourselves, to see this former way of life in our old man, in the flesh. And in this manner, using this authority as obedient and submissive children, we set aside this former way of life. And we made the following step. We rose to a new level so that we can be renewed in the spirit of our mind The spirit of our mind is the mind of Christ in our spirit. And to renew our mind, our soul, the components of our soul, the main part is our thinking. And in order to renew our soul, we realize that we need to 
immerse it into the death of Jesus Christ. And we agreed to this kind of death. But how did this happen? How did this occur? We made a decision within us to not define good or evil, or rather to not interpret Holy Scripture with our own fleshly mind. When we offer tithes into the house of God to the feet of a specific person, the Christians of the first days, they had brought these offerings that were clothed in the format of tithes and they laid them at the feet of the apostles and in doing so, we acknowledge the authority of God in specific and certain people. And the authority in these people is expressed in or the tree of knowledge of good and evil in the Eden of our spirit represents this authority to define good and evil. And these were from the days of the old. Abraham had brought tithes to Melchizedek because he had acknowledged the authority of the king of Salem. He acknowledged his authority to define good and evil. And we, in doing so, presenting our tithes, we give up our right and our capability to define what is good and what is evil, to define it not with our own carnal thinking and our own fleshly mind, but we listen to the words of those people whom God had has appointed for us. And thus, our ability to define good and evil dies. We reject it. We ourselves agree to this kind of death. And the Lord allows us, through teaching, through the process of death and resurrection, to rise up in a new in a new manner, as we know, this is the Memphis um, This was the grandson of Saul. This is an image of us not defining the works of God with our own intellect. God allows us to declare of His works, to praise Him for His, his works, and to thank Him. But this occurs in the life of God. It occurs in the resurrection of God and the order of God in a new form. And God gave this understanding in our hearts that in this kind of state we will enter into eternity and we will always eat of this bread before the face of God. Before the face of King David, David is an image of our new man. He said, "You are going." He said to uh, to the boy, he was like a friend of the king. You will always sit at the table. The friend of the king was what he was known as, and so our thinking points to us a certain kind of friendship, and our thinking then helps us to make the following step, and it is called to be clothed, to be clothed into the new man. And of course, when we are enacted in this process, we, by faith, together with the prophet, can call the inexistent as existent and to proclaim the faith of our heart, because this is faith. This is faith that is placed in us. It grows and it begins to be poured out. This is the river of life that begins to be poured out of the Eden of our heart in the proclamation of the lips of the faith of our heart. 
and we can declare the works of God. And one of the places of Scripture is Isaiah 61, 10 through 11. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God. For he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments, and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. For as the earth brings forth its bud, as the garden causes the things that are sown in it to spring forth, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring forth before all the nations. God has defined in His wisdom, and He wanted to lead us into His body in such a way so that we can be partakers with Him. He wanted to share in His spoils with us. He has given the great spoils to His Son, to Jesus Christ, to the Son of God, whom He gave birth to, who was the firstborn from the dead. He was the first, and He gave Him all of His riches, all the riches of heaven, all of the spoils He gave into His hands. And Jesus wanted to share these spoils with His chosen remnant, who will follow after Him and who are going to pay a specific corresponding price. And in order to have the right to interfere in our life in such a manner, to lead us into His victory, because it is written that He is going to share this victory and this reward with the strong and with the mighty, for us to be able to accept the strength, we need to pay a certain price. And we are talking about and studying the aspect of this price. And Pastor gave us seven components, and we have already gone over six of them. We have stopped to study the seventh price. The price for the right to be clothed in the robe of righteousness in order to declare the justice of God is to be clothed in redemption that is yielded in the observance of the Pesach of the Lord according to the statute that has been established by God. The Pesach feast, even before the creation of the world, was meant by God to become a blessed fate for all of those who would come to Him, in which God would receive the opportunity to fulfill His judgment over His enemies that reproach His chosen remnant. And each detail of the annual celebration of the Pesach feast had pointed to the final deliverance from the slavery unto sin and death in the body, and in the future, the final liberation from the perishable body itself and the mortal soul, which, thanks to worthy partaking of the Pesach lamb, will be clothed in imperishability and immortality. And this will happen in time, and this will happen before the Lord raptures His bride. And we wait for the fulfillment of this promise. And we feel a kind of longing and languish while we wait for this day. For the treasures of the Pesach feast which God made in these statutes, in these certain actions, for them as an image to be a reality in our life, because again this was a shadow, a shadow of the future blessings. The law itself, it had highlighted a shadow, and it highlighted a shadow of future blessings, and not the image itself, it pointed to certain things. And the people had didn't, did this fulfilled the law literally, but for the purpose of us being able to understand what is contained and comprised in this observation of Pesach, and for us to be able to apply it in our lives so that it, this can become a reality. Scripture imputed to us the need to fulfill ten conditions that are written in the twelve, uh, the twelfth chapter of the book of Exodus, and we will list these twelve conditions of Pesach. This is to separate the Pesach lamb. Second, this is to remove all leaven from our home. 
Third, this is to anoint with the blood the doorposts and the lentils of the door. The fourth, this is to bake the whole lamb in fire. Fifth, this is to gird oneself with a sash. Sixth, it was necessary to, pl uh, to put shoes on our feet. Seven, to take a staff in our hand. Eight, this was to eat the whole lamb fully. Nine, this was to eat the lamb with breads and bitter herbs. And tenth, this was to eat the Pesach lamb in haste. And we, in great detail, for quite some time now, uh, for many years now, Pastor, through instruction and faith, has planted the Holy Spirit through the words of Pastor, through his instrument, through his order, and through his messenger. He has planted this word in us. And we are called to care for our garden and to tend to it and to water it. And right now, this is what we are doing, in fact. We pour out water. Scripture has given many promises that out of the buckets, this moisture will flow out in order to bring this harvest to the fullness of God. And we have an opportunity right now, this glorified and great grace to repeat this word, to return to it, and to affirm it, to be affirmed in it because it has been sown in us and we hearing listening and remembering the details of this interpretation what is the true observance of pasic of the pasic of the lord we begin to remember and it begins to be alive in us and it begins to further be strengthened and be rooted in us and this word of god makes us strong and it brings us to a certain kind of completion or fullness. In previous services, we have already looked at nine conditions that highlight how we ought to prepare ourselves to the worthy partaking of the basic lamb. First, we needed to be clothed. So first, we actually needed to separate um, to separate the lamb, hold him for three days on his own. Then we needed to remove all leaven from our home. Then we need to pierce the lamb, to sprinkle this blood on our doorpost, to prepare ourselves, to place shoes on our feet, to gird ourselves with a sash. And then the tenth condition, a very important component and condition, this lamb had to be eaten in haste. Exodus chapter 12, verse 11. And so, eat it so... Let may you eat it in haste. This is the Pesach of the Lord. Exodus twelve eleven. This is one of the great feasts of the Lord, which the Lord has placed as a very important component. On each during each feast, all of the people, all of those of the male gender had to stand before the Lord and observe it according to the statute. And God placed an important condition, and He said through Moses, if anyone does not come and does not fulfill that which I, which I have spoken, he will be destroyed from among his people. So a person will begin to die, uh, to undergo self-destruction. And what decision do we have? If we choose not to observe the Pesach, you know, the decision always remains in our hands. God has made us sovereign. We ourselves deprive ourselves of this. We ourselves will 
place ourselves in a kind of position in which we say, Lord, I am your servant. Make me your servant forever. And when we make this decision, we deprive ourselves for the right to this ability to do things on our own. And we say, Lord, I will do only that which you will command to be a servant of the Lord. At the measure of which we grow spiritually and we understand this kind of order before God and dedicate ourselves to God. On his end, Jesus Christ, and again we're talking about haste, this important quality, Jesus Christ himself, he hurries, hastens. We sing that the day of the Lord is hastening, it is coming quickly with a quick tempo. And Jesus said, Behold, I am coming quickly. And our pastor many times has explained, as soon as the Heavenly Father tells the Son, Go, my Son, He begins to resurrect and raise from the dead. He will not tarry for even a minute or a second. He, in that very moment, will begin to fulfill this promise. And He waits from the Heavenly Father. He waits for this command to do so. And he says, Behold, I am coming quickly. I am hastening. This will be quick and soon. And we, together on our end, also hasten. We are called to hasten, to hurry to perfection, to fulfill with perfection. This points to us being clothed into the new man and as a result to be clothed in the resurrection of Christ but we must hurry to this day and hurrying we must try to draw near to an apostle said of it this way for we are found under the burden of this body in which there is the law of sin and death we groan under this burden and we languish and we wait for the redemption of our body so that life could swallow up death and on this specific action so that death could be swallowed up by life and God has created us and given, given us the deposit of His Spirit not just we, Apostle Paul writes about this and the angels of God they all together groan and moan together with us waiting for the redemption of our body and they also are hurrying they also participate together with us in such a way and in such a way they help us serve us so that we could fulfill this Pesach feast we went, we're going to church today, my spouse says. Do you think that today there are more angels that are with us? I said, well, I think yes, but I don't know for sure. I don't see them. I know that they are there. There are There's plenty of them. And they help us. They care for us. These are servants that are sent by God for those who are going to inherit salvation and they serve and they fulfill a certain role but they also groan 
together with the saints waiting waiting and hurrying to this day they fulfill the Pesach celebration when this word is open to us it's important for us to not set it aside and there's evidence of that of us doing this today our presence in this place is evidence of this the word haste aside from its literal meaning to hurry and to not be late because many will be late because they were not taught how to correctly observe the Passover feast in Hebrew haste has the following meanings to take the yoke upon ourselves to take up our cross to endure suffering to be clothed into the mantle of a disciple to be clothed in the armor of light to ponder upon the law of the Most High, to be clothed in the robes of righteousness, and to stand watch so as not to distort the Word of God. This is a deep meaning that is contained in this verb, in this word. And our pastor for the Passover feast is the covenant of the Lord. And in the Old Testament, this was literal blood. The lamb had to be literally selected to pierce him, to take his blood, to take hyssop, to sprinkle with this hyssop on the door, to undergo certain actions. And God had collaborated with this literal action. And we know that in Egypt, literally the firstborn had died. And the Lord went out and he had destroyed the firstborn from man to beast. This was not just among people that every firstborn had died but it was even in the in the field the animals had died there was a presence of this destruction but he says when I see when I see this blood on your doorpost that is brought upon the doorpost and the lentils then he says I will skip over or jump over this blood will make it so that I will pass over and death will not come upon this household and this had happened literally today this occurs spiritually and this does occur today some people are renewed and some inherit perdition destruction because they did not fulfill the basic feast correctly they weren't taught and they didn't hurry and remember Jesus Christ had taken the cup and he had blessed it and said this cup is a new covenant in my blood meaning this blood this blood has been spilled for many and given that in this meeting there is the covenant of God pastor provided us with eight definitions of what it means to eat the Pesach of the Lord in haste and we have already gone over four of them and I will quickly repeat them and then we will turn to the fifth purpose of what it means to eat the Pesach of the Lord in haste to eat the Pesach in haste the first meaning or purpose of eating the Pesach of the Lord with haste in Hebrew means to ponder upon contents of the Pesach feast or rather over those truths that we fertilize ourselves through the seed of the word that we have heard because everything is surrounding the sacrifice of Christ 
that which he has done doesn't surround our needs, doesn't surround our own personal goals, doesn't surround our comfortable life. Everything surrounds the goal, which is the lamb that has been pierced. If you remember, the kings and the priests, they take off their crowns and they say, worthy is the lamb, worthy is the lamb. They fall down before him. They say, worthy is the lamb who was pierced and who has redeemed us from every tribe, nation, tongue, and he has made us kings and priests, and we will reign here on earth. Therefore, we having this image, we continually surround this preached word. This means to eat the Pesach of the Lord in haste. Furthermore, the second purpose, this means to listen or to eat of the word of God in humility and contrition of the heart. A heart that is not contrite, it is prideful. It tries to measure on its own. It tries to weigh on its own scales. It digs in this word. But the heart that is humble and contrite defines where is the true word of God, in the lips of which person God has laid this truth and his preached word. And when it finds and defines, it begins to humble, to be contrite. Then we begin to, with desire, eat of this word, to hold on to it, to cling to this word. The third purpose of eating the Pesach of the Lord in haste, we are called to, having accepted this word, we are called to be vigilant and to keep this word safe, to observe our feet, not just observe that no one may take our crown, but to observe ourselves. The Lord has made it so that He has made us capable of keeping safe our Eden, keeping safe ourselves, standing watch of our thoughts, and to ponder and to observe our path, because our feet point to the direction of our faith, to be observant when we go into the house of the Lord and to be prepared to listen. And in doing so, we stand watch and we begin to protect this word that no one may take this word that no one may steal it from our heart because there are enemies and there are there are enemies that try to steal this word from us that's why we are called to stand stand watch of that which we have accepted and that which we ponder upon and that which we partake in thanks to hearing the word of God. And we do not allow anyone to argue it with us. We close the door. We, when someone says, well, is it true that God said that, or do you truly believe that pastor in your situation and in such a personal situation and in such an unordinary situation define for you what is good and what will be evil for you. I say yes, because this is written in Scripture. When those, when people will not agree, our life is tied to our place, our location. This location is the place which the Lord has selected. 
and we present this work before the priest, before that person, anointed one, whom he has empowered us in that day to stand before his countenance to define what is good and what is evil. And as he teaches us, we will do. Because, because God will make it so that we may lose our donkeys, for example, and we will think about where will we find them. Oh, there is a prophet of God. There is a man of God who is able to appoint the path. The true children of God, God will place them in such a position that they will need to come and to stand before the face of God and to listen to the instruction which the Lord will say. If you remember, Samuel said, Now listen to what the Lord has opened to me and the will of God. And he had spoken of certain things. The fourth purpose of eating the Pesach of the Lord in haste means to cherish time. Everywhere Jesus Christ said, the days are evil. Do you think that you have a lot of days of your life? You think, oh, I am young. I am only 20 years old. My whole life is ahead of me. I'm going to plan this and that. Life is passing by quickly and time is flying by quickly. You turn back and all of a sudden it, it has all um, it has all passed by and God gives an opportunity for us to gather in any age but especially the most blessed time is in the days of our youth God many times has warned from your youth from your youth begin to gather and to hurry that you may come to the fullness of God. Do not say, oh, I'm still young, I still have time. It is written, having heard about this, do not fall asleep. Today and right now, when a person hears the word of God, he must make the decision and he must go without looking back. And he must cherish the time that has been allowed by God in order to fulfill this, to fulfill this Pesach feast. And the fifth purpose of eating the Pesach of the Lord in haste in Hebrew means to desire and to find joy in eating the Pesach in the subject of hearing the word of God about the kingdom of heaven. And, you know, we, we learn to do this. I, in my experience, I've had this happen before where I listen to the sermons, I listen to scripture, I had the Bible written in on CDs. I love to listen to the Bible, and right now as well. This is a great thing to do, to listen to the written Word of God. You might not understand it, but it is laid in, it is laid in us. And I, I enjoy listening to the preached word when I found the sor source which the Lord had appointed in the face of our pastor, in the face of, of his messenger. I could listen one sermon, two sermons, three sermons, four sermons in one day. We'll say this was about five years, five hours of listening. And I had a kind of job before, and I didn't earn a lot of money in that time, but I didn't want to switch my job. I thought, I was thinking maybe, oh, I need to, I've gotten married now, I need to change my job, the bills are getting higher, I should switch jobs. But to make the decision, 
all of a sudden at a new job will i will i be able to listen to this word again and you know five or six hours passed and then all of a sudden everything within me began to boil and i saw that i am being filled with it and there is some kind of uh, trembling that was happening in me in that moment and i was losing the joy all of a sudden a war within me that would happen and this word of god begins to build in me build in me and i need to immediately begin to change something in my essence and i'm not ready yet and everything in me begins to boil then some time had passed and i began to just however much i listen i receive joy from doing this and sometimes when i grow tired and i've noticed for myself and this was experienced not long ago i had noticed specifically in my own experience i noticed something interesting and i'll share it with you we see how the world is boiling how life on earth begins so inconsistent and so back and forth everything is changing all around us and it's growing difficult to live on earth but when you watch the news listen to the news you think well how is it going to touch me how is it going to change something in my life for example the economy trembling or shaking and then second third thing and i've noticed that i endure when listening to all these things i endure a kind of peace that I've never had it before in my life. I think that even when I was a young boy, I was possibly six years old, I remember that there were difficult times in which we lived and it was um, there was very little money. And I, as a child, had tried to, I go to, when I go to school, I th thought I would, instead of asking my mom for five coins, I, would, I wouldn't even dare to. And I was constantly worried about how we, would, how we would live. But this was when I was about seven years, perhaps eight years old, I had already begun to understand. And right now, there's a kind of state in which there is more peace now than, than then, that the Lord will make all things work, that He protects us in such a way, and that our life is tied in His in His bonds and when i listen to the sermons of our pastor then there is a kind of inner trembling in me and i i can't because in me everything begins to tremble it shakes and trembles and i understand that with my heart that we are drawing close and we are concluding we're concluding a certain time something new is going to happen soon and there is a unique time that is coming soon we're coming close to the day of the Lord which we have been waiting for and have been longing for and I've noticed that the joy in me does not cease I feel this joy from every sermon from every word of the water that is in our church it is a kind of great joy that is difficult to pass along this is like a feast for the spirit the only thing is sometimes we grow tired and i think okay my mind is filled and then all of a sudden we hear this sweet voice and i see that i 
stop looking into this word with my whole heart and whole soul and I think well I can't allow myself to listen to it if it is just in the background and I don't want to be neglectful of it so I stop my mind then um, takes a break and then I once again can turn on this sermon so that I can listen to it and so that I can um, can drink it and be ready to immediately fulfill it and through this we check ourselves and through this point we are verifying and examining ourselves we ought to find joy in partaking of the basic and the subject of hearing the word of god about the kingdom of heaven from the words or the lips of the messenger of god and his helpers because when we desire and when we find joy in listening to the preached word about the kingdom of heaven that is contained in the basic of the lord only then we are able to partake of the Pesach with haste. John chapter 7, verses 37 to 39. On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. The same idea Christ had spoken at the well with a Samaritan woman and dialogue with her when he said to her the words that laid as a foundation of how to fulfill our desire for eternal life. I've already shared, I've had moments before where I had felt, and being found in the church, I felt that, why is it still so difficult for me to define this or provide an explanation for this? Why did I feel this? Having been found in this church, I was even here in the church. I couldn't have enough of this living water because this authority of the old man, it was not yet contrite in me at that time. Perhaps I am providing this answer to myself right now. And I came to Pastor and I said, Pastor, I am dying from this thirst. I am choking. I am going, I'm walking home. And I, I felt this literal thirst. I thought that I would drink water and it would be easier for me and I would drink the water and it this thirst had never left but then this desire and this thirst had left and then I was broken I thought that something had happened something had happened in me and this and then I began to understand how to be filled and how to drink this water and now I just drink this living water and I am uh, satisfied and quenched by it and I find great joy from listening to the preached word of God John chapter 4 verses 9 through 14 Jesus said to her if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you this is the gift of God the preached word that we have this is referring to the Lord gives us this gift with the purpose of preparing us for rapture preparing us to meet with the Lord in the air. This is the Spirit of grace. He sends His person that the saints of God who are worthy can prepare themselves. And He says to her, 
if you knew of the gift and who is speaking to you, and Pastor always says to us, we must know the source. And to have this word, whoever has this word, whoever accepts it, for us to have it, we need to accept it continually. And we must pay attention to who is speaking. We must not swallow some kind of foreign information, a foreign source. We must exactly define from what source the Lord is giving us water to drink. And he says, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Remember, he says, well, when did we give you enough to drink? He said, when you did this to one of my brothers, you did this then to me. If we were to understand this, and we do understand this, then we would begin to humble ourselves. Those that call themselves Christians, and when we say we, there is a lot that is comprised in this because there perhaps are some people that have not yet discovered this, but they are searching for it. You would have asked him, he says to her, and he would have given you living water. Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give, he says, will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. From these words it follows that the life of the Pesach Lamb was comprised in the face of the Holy Spirit who dwelled in Christ and in whom Christ dwelled, or rather, in whom Christ was clothed. The Holy Spirit had descended upon him, he had clothed him, and he had moved in this clothing of the Holy Spirit. This is seen well out of the words of Jesus himself, in which he, with the waters of living water in man, yields his flesh and his blood in a person and the life living in him. John 6, 54-57 Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he who feeds on me will live because of me. It is impossible to eat of the Pesach lamb without accepting the Holy Spirit, who is the true life of the Heavenly Father in Christ. And, of course, one of the components of the requirements of eating the Pesach lamb in haste is the desire of the heart and the thirst to hear the preached word about the kingdom of heaven with a kind of intention to immediately fulfill what we have heard. All of us have uh, at one point ended up in these snares. We all of a sudden had heard this word. And while we were still infants, we are simply just caught by the hook. We are caught in these snares, but we aren't ready to pay the price in the beginning. We have a sister to set of her, she, but she is little. She is not yet able to fertilize this preached word of God. But it is so 
enticing that we are caught up in these snares and then we begin to understand that we need to collaborate with this word we need to place ourselves some obedient to it and haste includes the fact that when we listen we must immediately in that moment make a decision to fulfill this word to immediately fulfill this word and when we hear in such a manner and when we say lord when we say this in our hearts lord i accept this word and i'm going to fulfill it right now it enters it enters into our essence and in this manner the opportunity or the ability is revealed and this desire and this capability to be fertilized by this preached word of god and of course to have a certain coinciding fruit but we must have this desire and therefore the desire or thirst is a kind of principle that gives us the right to worthily partake of the basic lamb with haste matthew 5 6 says blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they shall be filled now take a look take a look at this word of thirst for righteousness righteousness is expressed in justice righteousness is not just a kind of certain word because behind the word uh, righteousness is the word justice this is a justice that is expressed in righteousness this is the unchanging infrastructure of the kingdom of heaven that finds its identification and expression in Christ given to us by God in the Pesach Lamb. But what is, so what is verity or righteousness? It is written that those who are righteous wait for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. those that offend us those that offend our motives that offend our holy trust according to the justice of God according to the righteousness of God they must be put to shame and therefore when there is going to be the great affliction on the earth and those people that had afflicted us they are going to receive this affliction as part of their portion they will endure this portion and they will remain during this great tribulation and they will endure it because this is correct and just before God and so justice contains certain actions well what else is just it is just when we are clothed in the resurrection of Christ we're going to feel a, a great glory in our bodies and a great kind of joy that we will feel we will understand that this is from God that in this is the hunger and thirst for righteousness Lord fulfill and reveal your judgment we say those that call themselves believers but in whom lacks the thirst and desire for righteousness they are people in whom lacks the element of haste upon partaking of the Pesach of the Lord. They say, well, why has the Lord done this? Why did he decide that in the first there's going to be the clothing of our bodies? We will accept this in faith. with faith. We will grow this fruit. The old man is going to be cast out from our bodies. We are going to endure a great kind of revealing of the life of God in our bodies, the revealing of resurrection in our bodies. 
You say, Lord, well, what is, what is the essence of all of this? Why have you done this? Why can it be that we live, live, live? Then Jesus comes, he puts some to the right, some to the left, everything comes to an end. Someone goes to hell, someone goes to heaven. But why is there this kind of scheme that is, that is unique? Because this is just before God and righteous before God. And we are called to partake in this righteousness, to desire for this verity, and to share in this righteousness with Christ Jesus. Sometimes we are not understanding the righteousness of God. One thinks that one runs, it is written in Scripture, run in such a way. Sometimes we read, our uncircumcised mind doesn't understand the Word of God correctly, and we say, you know that everyone runs the race, but only one wins the reward, and so run in such a way. And so everyone runs in all different directions, and you see that there's thousands of new churches. Everything then becomes open, so many churches, because everyone's running in different directions, and everyone explains things differently, because they interpret it with their uncircumcised mind. But we are taught, and we know that one receives the reward. It is Christ. And we receive it when we run in Christ. And furthermore, we'll talk about this a little later on. I'm moving ahead a little bit. I am hurrying, trying to hurry quickly, but there is, we will read everything in the sequence and order that it is, that it is in. The desire to collaborate with the justice of God is a kind of property that clothed a person in the mystery of God, which God endowed him with, and through which he can judge of God and his actions. Genesis chapter 2, verses 19 through 20. Out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. So Adam gave names to all cattle, to the birds of the air, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper comparable to him. It is unique how God has done this and how a person can exactly define the birds, the animals, certain names. And he had exactly defined one who is like him is not among him. And only after the sinfall of man, the justice of God gained one more direction. This is to carry out judgment. This was found in God and it was expressed in such a manner. In a person, of course, when his mind was distorted, he began to carry out judgments himself, and he defined how to do this. Take a look, Adam begins to do this. He says, I am naked. He defined that he was naked. He saw that he was naked before God. When God sees, he is going to find everything out. So he began to try to think of something to cover his nakedness and this was then poured out in these fig leaves and God looked at him and he understood right away and said did you not eat from the tree of which I had forbidden you to eat yes I did but there then uh, began this violation in the mind a person begins to judge with his own mind and then he began to replace the legislation of God with his own creation and with his own legislation. 
with his capabilities in striving to interpret and to define what is good and what is evil. And it is then expressed literally, well, I don't understand it in this way. And someone may say, in my Bible, in my Bible everything is written differently. A person then tries to interpret the Bible with his own fleshly mind. And for this kind of distortion, God is going to seek out the perdition of the, this person's soul if he does not repent. And to deliver a person from eternal perdition and to take him out of slavery to sin and death, God gave his son up to death in order to return a person again into that dignity which he had lost and which a person could once again collaborate with God in his justice. And for this, it was necessary for a person to pair himself to worthily partaking of the Pesach lamb and to partake of it on the conditions established by God in Scripture. And now, we will mention one of the results of thirst or desire. We had d defined that a person must have desire for the justice of God, for the Word of God, so that God could reveal His holiness and His glory and His mercy and His definition and His order, His result, His harvest. And we then hasten to this day which the Lord in which the Lord will put everything in its place this is that moment of the coming of the harvest on the earth this is the first day of the of the week which we had heard about and which we have strived to the first day of the week pastor had said it defines that which will occur in the body of Christ this is when the power of God will be revealed and we will be clothed in the life of God and the resurrection of Christ. And of course, certain actions and results will come from this. And we can test ourselves where our renewed mind must be placed in a correct functional position. Because the spiritual judges of all things. The spiritual is someone that has undergone a mind that has gone through death and this makes a person spiritual. He no longer relies on himself. He no longer has this capability. He loses this ability having been immersed into the death of the Lord Jesus. And here we can judge and test ourselves if we are in the faith, if we eat of the Pesach of the Lord in haste or not. The result of eating the Pesach of the Lord in haste expressed in the desire of our heart to hear the Word of God with the very intention, with the very readiness to immediately fulfill it will be expressed in a kind of search for fellowship with God in our heart in which we had seen Him in the sanctuary. Psalms 62 verses 1 through 4. Because according to the presence of the desire to see God in the sanctuary, we can judge and test ourselves if we are in the faith, or rather, do we eat of the Pesach lamb with haste or not? Psalms, we will read it together. O God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. Before this, this land, you know, it was a wonderful land. We are born in the land of Sinar, and we say, 
oh, how great is it for us here. The Lord has come to this earth so that we can have life and so that we can have it with abundance. Our uncircumcised mind begins to mix what is human with what is divine. We begin to imagine the Lord will give me a great car. The Lord will give me a great spouse. The Lord will give me a great job. What else will He give? And He'll give me good health. What great promises we have. He'll give me good friends. Because take a look, how many friends, well, all of us are friends, and so many promises a person thinks. And this kind of illustration is painted in a person's mind because he was born in this land of Sinar. When everything around him is fragrant, but when God opens his sanctuary to a person, all of a sudden he finds himself in the wilderness of the Judean desert, and God brings him out to this sanctification. And he, his flesh begins to long in the dry and thirsty land where there is no water. He says, So I have looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. Friends, car, spouse, no longer matters. In the beginning, we first look at all these things which God provides us with and blesses us with and sometimes they become idols for us and what is should be secondary replaces what is indeed primary but again this is our spiritual growth that is involved um, he says uh, I have looked for you in the sanctuary we say I found you in the sanctuary because your loving kindness is better than life and my lips shall praise you we no longer Think about the second, third, fourth promise. These are all things that get become added to us. But it's important for us for what we have seen in the sanctuary. It is there we have the loving kindness and the glory and the power of God. And in this manner we can bless the Lord. How can we bless the Lord? He says, Thus I will bless you while I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. Not our name not some kind of magnified image, but the name of God, the name of the sanctuary of God, this glory he has seen in the sanctuary. Before God demonstrates his glory in the sanctuary of our hearts, because we are called to make our heart into a sanctuary, we are called to see his glory in the sanctuary of his body. Sometimes we understand that we have seen this glory, but where have we seen it? Well, we saw it in the body, in the body of the Lord, which represents God's chosen remnant. And for this goal, it is necessary to have a partaking to the body of the Lord through knowledge of the truth. Not literally a person becomes a member of the church. Through this, he doesn't become a partaker. He receives the right he receives the right to become a partaker, but he must know the truth. It says, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. This truth yields the mystery of Jerusalem on high, which is the law of the temple and the law of the sanctuary as a whole. Revelation 21, verses 22 through 23. But I saw no temple in it, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city had no need of the sun or of the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God illuminated it. The Lamb is its light. Revelation 21, verses 22 through 23. 
But before we begin to look at the glory of Jerusalem on high in which God dwells, the glory of which we are called to first see so that then we can desire and have received this desire, we see the glory and then we begin to look for it in our heart and our heart has not yet been built up yet. And we begin to be in turmoil from this desire. He says, I have given you desire and hunger and thirst so that you don't paint a picture of a vineyard in your head. We think, oh, when we enter into heaven, we will have a blissful life with success. We will begin to reign in the promised land, we think. Everything will be so great and wonderful there, but all of a sudden, here we begin to be languished. I have languished with you with desire, given you hunger. Why? So that you may know and understand the main essence, that man will not live by bread alone, but by every word that is preached. Because you know, the preached word is the word that comes from the lips of God. In order to be taught... To live according to this word, to depend on this preached word, to be transformed into the image of this word. We need to go through this process of desire and and languish. We will take a look at how the glory of God entered into the sanctuary of Jerusalem because in the same manner it is called to enter into the sanctuary that is built in our heart we will read Ezekiel chapter 43 verses 1 through 12 afterward he brought me to the gate the gate that faces toward the east and behold the glory of the God of Israel came from the way of the east his voice was like the sound of many waters the earth shone with his glory it was like the appearance of the vision which I saw like the vision which I saw when I came to destroy the city. The visions were like the vision which I saw by the river Chabar, and I fell on my face. And the glory of the Lord came into the temple by the way of the gate which faces toward the east. The Spirit lifted me up and brought me into the inner court, and behold, the glory of the Lord filled the temple. Let's remember and pay attention to these directions. Then again, the Spirit lifted me up and brought me into the inner court, and behold, the glory of the Lord filled the temple. Then I heard him speaking to me from the temple while a man stood beside me. He said, Son of man, this is the place where my throne and the place of the soles of my feet, where I will dwell in the midst of the children of Israel forever. No more shall the house of Israel defile my holy name, they nor king, they nor their kings, by their harlotry or with carcasses of their kings on their high places. When they set their threshold by my threshold and their doorpost by my doorpost with a wall between them and me, they defiled my holy name by the abominations which they committed. Therefore, I have consumed them in my anger. Now let them put their harlotry and the carcasses of their kings far away from me, and I will dwell in their midst forever. Son of man, describe the temple of the house of Israel, that they may be ashamed of their iniquities, and let them measure the matter and that they are ashamed of all that they have done, make known to them the design of the temple and its arrangement, its exhibits and its entrances, its entire design and all its ordinances, all its forms and all its laws, write it down in their sight so that they may keep 
its whole design and all its ordinances and perform them. This is the law of the temple. The whole area surrounding the mountaintop is most holy. Behold, this is the law of the temple. The law of the temple is the law of the body. When we are ashamed of the works of the flesh, because, you know, when the prophets had prayed, they said, Lord, you have righteousness, you have justice. But we have shame on our faces. The face of a spiritual person is his conscience. If it's not cleansed from dead works, then it makes this face uh, blemished. Uh, and when a person looks into the mirror of the glory of God, when he hears the word of God, all of a sudden he begins to be ashamed. And the Lord says, well, if he will be ashamed of these abominations that are going to be discovered, it's written, the blood of Christ that will cleanse our conscience from dead works. When we have fellowship with one another, when we dwell in this word, the blood of Jesus Christ moves in the body of Christ. And in this manner, there occurs cleansing from all kinds of sin, and all of a sudden there is discovered some kind of blemish, some kind of leprosy, and then we begin to grow ashamed. I don't want to endure this any longer. I said this yesterday, but this is an expression of leprosy. This is impurity. And I am ashamed. And he says, when this is when you are ashamed, this is good. If they will be ashamed, then this preached word will be open in the law of the body. And the law of the body means we can't spread slander or gossip. Last week I said this, I, I spread this slander or gossip, we think, regarding this holy person. This is what I expressed with my words. I'm ashamed, Lord. How do I be? This is how the cleansing from dead works happens in our conscience. In this vision, the prophet Ezekiel had seen the glory of God coming from the east, and we know that the east is the doctrine of eternal judgment, the good, acceptable, and perfect will that demonstrates the will of God, and that which does not coincide with this will, it judges it and condemns it. And this will is good, acceptable, and perfect. This is one will, and this is one river. And in Ezekiel, we'll read the vision. Ezekiel chapter 1. The word of the Lord came expressively, expressly to Ezekiel the priest, the son of Buzi, in the land of the Chaldeans by the river Chubar, and the hand of the Lord was upon him there. Then I looked, and behold, a whirlwind was coming out of the north, a great cloud with raging fire engulfing itself, and brightness was all around it, and reading it out its mist like the color of amber. We know that these are four rivers, four teachings, which carry in themselves a tripart nature, and this was the vision that was likened to the glory of God given to Ezekiel. And we know and have already heard these beautiful men and women that are going to go from the east into the west or to the north into the south this is the path of the Lord the Lord said this 
make a distance of 2,000 so that they know the way in which they way that in which they walk and the lord leads us in the correct direction and pastor has explained to us that we don't enter one gate and not the other we enter through all these 12 gates at once but there is a path that is involved in order for us to learn the path of the lord the ark of the covenant and the priests that had carried the ark they had to be appointed the path there had to be a distance between this and these young men and women they went from the north to the to north to the east and they went through that path in which we were filled with hunger thirst he takes us through the valley of the shadow of death in order to bring us to his fullness and they these beautiful men and women they want to go from the north to the east uh, as a direct way but they're going to be tormented by this desire seeking the face of the Lord and the Word of God and what they will not find why because they say alive is the path of Beersheba and alive is your God Dan so they did not find the place of the narrow gates many will seek to find it but will not due to certain reasons and they begin to swear and say, well, I understand it this way. I was born in this church, and I will die there. Why is something wrong with the Pentecostals? Or why do you judge the Baptists? Danik had said, Pentecostals, Baptists, what, what, do you, what does anything have to do with them? Because they swear by the sins of the Samaritans, and they say, alive is the path of Beersheba, and alive is your God, Dan. They are those people that are not set by God, who have been established, placed themselves, who have been chosen by a majority vote. He said, you don't need to go there. We're going to make two cities and do everything exactly as it was in Jerusalem. They said, we will place the priests and we will place one lamb in Bethel and one in Dan. And they led all of Israel into sin in such a manner. And people seek this glory of God, but they can't come to this because they came to the goal through an incorrect way. Prophet Isaiah receiving a revelation of the path from the north to the east spoke of this revelation. Isaiah chapter 41 I have raised up one from the north and he shall come from the rising of the sun he shall call on my name and he shall come against princes as through as the mortar as the potter treads clay who has declared from the beginning that we may know in former times that we may say he is righteous surely there is no one who shows surely there is no one who declares surely there is no one who hears your words the first time I said to Zion, look these, look there they are. This is the person sent by God. This is Christ who holds all the seven stars in his hand and sends his word through his lamp. As the first time I said to Zion, look there they are, and I will give to Jerusalem one who brings good tidings. And we know that God said, Jesus, who was filled with the Holy Spirit, and who had sent his messengers on that same basis 
to represent the fatherhood of God. And he said, to whom his sins are forgiven, to them they will be forgiven. On whom they will be retained, they will be retained. The image of the North is an image of the truth about the death of the Lord Jesus that is contained in the doctrine of baptisms in which God reveals the powers of his glory and redemption in the face of Jesus Christ. The image of the East is the final goal and purpose that that pursues the glory of the Lord that comes from the North. First, it came from the North. This is an image of the truth that is contained in the teaching of the Lord Jesus about eternal judgment that is highlighted in the will of God that is good, acceptable, and perfect. This is an image of the East as we have been taught. It is thanks to the desire for knowing the will of God. The judgment of God Judgment of God includes condemnation, but the judgment of God is a definition. When God defines this must be understood this way, and this must be understood that way. This must be interpreted this way, and that must be interpreted that way. Blessed is he who reads and hears the order of God. For saints, they must have the desire, this kind of a desire that is in the heart of the messenger of God. It is thanks to desire for knowing the will of God expressed in the perfect judgments of God that the greatness of the glory of God containing in itself the fullness of the redemption of God coming from the north can enter through the eastern gates in the sanctuary of the human heart for its eternal place of dwelling in order to fulfill the thirst of a person. When God led the prophet into the inner courts of the temple and the glory of God filled the temple, God turned to the prophet and said, Son of man, this is the place of my throne and the place of the soles of my feet, where I will dwell in the midst of the children of Israel forever. No more shall the house of Israel defile my holy name, they nor their kings. This is a kind of position in which the house of Israel, when the people of God, they, due to their carnal state, begin to defile the house, the house of God. Until we come to the fullness of God, we are going to sin continually. But then we will learn and be taught, because whoever does not sin in word is a perfect person. But we, through studying, through the dwelling in these words, we are going to be taught to not sin in word. But until we have exactly learned this truth, we will think, well, I feel like this is correct for me. You know what this means that we are defiling ourselves with these words. This means that until the glory of God does not enter into the eastern gates into the sanctuary of the human heart, a person upon service to God will defile the holy name of God. And this defilement will be expressed in the fact that a person will place his doorstep at the doorstep of God and his doors near the doors of God. First, people Their doorstep was far off, and then a person begins to place it close by. But we can't place our doorstep together with the doorstep of God, and we're going to read about this later on. We already know about this, but we're just being reminded of this component, and this is important to look at this truth from different angles and from different positions. And a person then says, well, we ask you, but you don't hear us. Lord, why don't you hear us? I cry out to you, but you don't hear us. 
because this prayer is extinguished by God. We must have the Spirit of God that is a great responsibility. The lentils of the doors were found on the doors that led into the inside of the temple. The outer or the inner court of the temple is a sanctuary that is comprised of two courts. And the lentils of the doors of God that led into the inner peace of God is the anointing power of God that is placed by Him for a person who represents the representative power of God. This doorstep of the doors, doors of God is the renewed mind of a person that testifies of His virtue and His acknowledgement over the authority of God. Renewed is that which has gone and undergone death and resurrection. Resurrection is renewal. The doorposts of the gates of God, which the people of Israel placed near the doors of God, is resistance to the authority of God in the image of and I had listened to these sermons, and Pastor here had said there are moments when brothers may say, well, the brothers established, or when we say, please don't intervene in my personal life. In doing so, this person places, replaces, he places the gates next, his gates next to the gates of God. And the doorstep of the doors of the people, which the Israelites place near the doorstep of God, is the ill intellect of a person that resists the mind of Christ. Furthermore, God says to the prophet, Son of man, tell the house of Israel about this temple, that they may be ashamed of their transgressions. And if they are ashamed of that which they have done, then show them. Show them the temple its entrances, its entire design and all its ordinances, all its forms and all its laws, write it down in their sight so that they may keep its whole design and all its ordinances and perform them. They say it's very difficult. Can it be easier? And you know, there's the view, there's the ordinance, the design, the entrance, the exits, how to enter, how to exit, how to serve. There's a very difficult service that's at play there. And God begins to show all of this to a person. And a person then is brought to shame from his from his actions. With regard to this, we will look at certain designs and statutes of the temple and the image of the Jerusalem on high in order to test ourselves of our partaking to this wonderful mystery in which the angels desire to penetrate because the desire to see God in the sanctuary of our heart comes after we see the glory of Jerusalem on high and are partaking to his mystery, of which it is said, For the Lord God has placed his temple. He carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me the great city, the holy Jerusalem. And when Christ is found in us, in the subject of the preached word, I see that our time is concluding and 
I had a great desire to read further on about this image of Jerusalem, and Pastor had given six components of what God had shown regarding Jerusalem. He had shown this wonderful city that we are called to see in our hearts. And like Abraham, it is written, when he saw this city, he had a kind of desire, and he began to search for this city, and he sought it, and then he found it. It is written that Abraham had seen this day, and he had rejoiced. He had seen this Jerusalem, because he was someone that desired. He went not knowing where he was going. God led him. God said, I am leading you. I will give you this. But then he found it. And he saw Jesus Christ. He saw the bride of Christ. He saw the exact measurement of the temple in Jerusalem. He had rejoiced. And the children of Israel were Abraham. They are those saints. Scripture calls these people as those that had forgotten their nation, their household. They had rejected their fleshly desires. And they received this great desire to become a part of this Jerusalem, to see it inside, to grow it, to live in this city, to live and to become this body, to live according to the law of the body. And we have followed the footsteps of our father Abraham and are continuing to walk. And if the Lord allows, we will read this in our future services. And right now we will pray and thank God for this mercy that we had, that He allows us to make one more step in the direction of this city in building ourselves into a spiritual house and a holy place. Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you for your mercy, for your truth, for your revelations, for your sanctuary. We thank you that you have given, we have given Zion someone that would share the gospel. This is Jesus Christ who had sent his disciples, his apostles. And we have found we have found this place. We were ashamed and had seen on our faces this shame. We see that our conscience, not cleansed from dead works, and we made the decision to build ourselves into a spiritual dwelling, to become the spiritual home. And you have shown us the sanctuary, you have shown us your glory, you have revealed to us the order of your body your holy theocracy. We thank you for your messenger, 
our pastor, Brother Arkady. We thank you that you have revealed to us the measurements of the temple, the entrances and the exits, the beauty of this temple. And we have hastened, having left our nation, the house of our Father, and our corrupt lusts that war in the members of our body. And we have turned, like our father Abraham, to follow after you in your order, accepting the image of your order in the body, which you have revealed to us through the preachings of Christ in our hearts. We have accepted it, we are affirmed, we are affirmed upon this place. We have clung to that place upon which you have placed our feet, that each of us may fulfill our calling and to with trembling care for one another, forgiving one another, praying for one another, seeking to go towards that goal and to fulfill that purpose which you have defined for each of us. We thank you for this great mercy and we tremble so that you may allow us to be affirmed and kept in love before you. May your wisdom dwell among your holy people. We pray regarding the soon restoration of your saints from every illness. May every illness be cursed and every illness in the body of Christ. May you keep safe those that are vigilant, that are ailing, that they may be in your house to be fragrant before you. May we be satisfied by the goodness of your home, of your holy temple. And may you fill us from your glory. We wait for your holy feast when we together will celebrate and observe and worship you in our renewed bodies.
because you have created us for a, you have created us for this and gave us the desire and we thank you and we worship before your holy name almighty god father son and holy spirit amen our father in heaven hallowed be your name your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and do not lead us into temptation but deliver us from the evil one for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever amen and let us conclude with our manifestation now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory and unblemished joy to god our savior who alone is wise be glory and majesty dominion and power both now and forever amen